Patriots Daily is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Tigler Callis here for CLNS Media. Obviously, not the best way to start the week if you're a Patriots fan. Tough loss against the Eagles, although it was close. I'd say that was an entertaining game. Obviously not the finish I know people wanted. Uh, we just got a chance to speak to the coaches, get their perspective on the game. I thought, who better to go over all the insights that we've gained and all the insights that he has than NBC Sports Boston's Phil Perry. Phil, how you doing, brother? I'm doing great, Taylor. It feels like we've got a lot to chew on from this game. We've got a really interesting matchup coming up next Sunday. And oh, by the way, a team that a lot of people had at least making the playoffs as a wild card in your division just lost its starting quarterback for the year in Aaron Rodgers. So it is a topsy-turvy NFL. It's a topsy-turvy AFC East already. So, my God. I mean, if you're looking for something to talk about, you don't have to look very far. Honestly, I was thinking about starting with the coaches, but like you mentioned, I think it's fair to touch on what's been going on in the division. So with Aaron Rodgers out for the season, it is once again the Zach Wilson show. I think a lot of Jets fans are feeling kind of like Robert Sala looked uh, in that little screenshot. I don't know if you saw where it looked like he was just having flashbacks to his first few years with the Jets. Where do you think the Jets now fall within the division? Do they stay put? Are they going to sink? Does this maybe bump the Patriots up? How is that going to work out in your view? I think it bumps the Patriots up at least a game. So for me, I had them as a nine-win team, and I had them splitting with the Jets. Mm -hmm. If I knew Zach Wilson was going to be the quarterback, I would have had them sweeping the Jets. As good as the Jets' defense is, and that defense is legit, and it gave Josh Allen all kinds of problems last night. I think some of Josh Allen's problems last night were actually self-inflicted, which is also an interesting storyline for us to follow as Patriots followers, and how does that impact the division maybe moving forward? Just hasn't been the same guy. Uh, the last, I don't know, I guess it's since the UCL injury, but the elbow should be better now. And some of the decision-making last night was unbelievable. But I have him as a 10-win team now. If I had him at nine with one loss to Aaron Rodgers, I got to put him at 10. And I think they've got a real shot at, at getting into the postseason here via the wild card. I guess I would still pick the Bills to win the division, even given what we saw last night. Uh, but there's no question. This thing is – this thing is – up in the air now in a way that it really wasn't 24 hours ago, or at least it didn't seem 24 hours ago. Yeah, Josh Allen seems to pick his favorites in the AFCs because when it's the Patriots, he just goes full Super Saiyan, doesn't make any mistakes, all the right reads, all the impossible throws. And then against the Jets, he's just like, you know what? I'm going to play this like a Madden game against my cousin where he's just kind of pissing me off and I'm just going to go Hail Mary every play, engage eight, and just for some reason his decision-making gets kind of shot. But I would agree, without Rodgers, like you said, that defense is fantastic. And we saw they gave the Patriots – Patriots also gave themselves plenty of trouble last year, but the Jets did not make it easy for them because they're a team that's going to force you to put long drives together, not going to give you any big plays that are easy for you. And the Dolphins, I just looked it up, they had 17 explosive pass plays. Now, PFF – defines that as something that goes 15 or more yards through, um, uh, through the pass. It's A lot of people have it as 20. I think 15 is pretty fair. I think Brian Billick says like that's his metric for 15 is a significant play. The next closest teams had eight. So more than double. What did you see from Tua? Do you think that he looked like maybe he's taken a step early? Was it just, hey, this Miami offense is just explosive, period? What did you see from that game? Yeah, this is who he can be and, and what they can be. When everybody's right, everybody's healthy, when Tua has time to throw. And I, I look at him as basically the, the same kind of guy. I'm not sure 
he did anything superhuman in this game that we didn't think he was able to do before. But my God, when you have two superheroes that, you know, stature wise don't look that way, but in terms of their speed are that way on the outside at receiver, it just, it really can give an opposing defense all kinds of fits to me that that game, you know, I'm looking at Brandon Staley after that game and saying, did you not know you might want to, try to do something extra to prevent Tyreek Hill from getting 200 yards. I mean, I just can't envision the Patriots ever having a week like that against a player like that, because you know, Bill Belichick is looking at their best option on the other side and saying, okay, we're going to try to take him. He's probably going to get his to a degree, but you can't let a player like that completely blow up the game on you. That was, that was mind boggling to me. I'm, I'm curious as to how the Patriots will try to handle it because it did feel like, Taylor, I mean, you tell me what you saw from the Patriots defense, but Nick Sirianni talked pretty openly after the fact about how, you know, they had some bodies deep and they were trying to take away our, our big shot plays. And they knew that that we wanted to try to go deep to, to some of our guys and that we like to do that. Uh, but the Patriots did things to, to take that away. It was a really interesting game plan, I thought, from the Patriots defense in that way, because it also looked like they weren't afraid to bring pressure. We saw them use cover zero and they have all these talented guys up front anyway that should be able to get pressure with four. You know, I thought it was a really varied game plan from Gerard Mayo and Steve Belichick that kind of kept the Eagles guessing. I wonder if they'll try to do the same thing against Miami. Yeah, I know that Jabril Peppers mentioned after the game they wanted to, you know, spin the dial a bit on Jalen Hurts as they tend to do with some of the better quarterbacks. But at the same time, they played a lot of single high. It was a lot of cover three, a lot of cover one, where you would expect, okay, if you're trying to take away the deep ball, it's a lot of cover two, maybe some quarters where you're just thinking vertical. We don't want to give them any easy shots, especially down the sideline. But also, Miles Bryant did tell us before the game, I was like, hey, how do you handle an offense that can throw so much at you? He's like, you got to play your game at some point. And like, we just have to do what we do. I thought they did a great job with that. What did you glean from the coaches? We just spoke to them. I know you had a chance to speak with Bill O'Brien. I wasn't in that meeting. But what were some of your big takeaways from those availabilities? Yeah, well, with Bill O'Brien, it's just interesting to to continue to gauge his relationship with Mac Jones and how he's feeling about Mac Mm -hmm. Jones and where this team ultimately goes, Taylor, we know those two will have a huge say in that. And so I was curious as to what he thought of Mac Jones's decision-making first real live game situation where it's harder to tell in practice. I'm sorry. It, it's harder to tell how a guy is going to handle the decision-making process when the threat of the hit is real (laughs) and it was real and it was consistent and they knew it going into the game because they knew what they had on their starting offensive line with two rookies there and a guy in Calvin Anderson who really hadn't practiced all summer long against one of the best defensive fronts in football so I I wanted to hear how he felt about Mac Jones's decision making after that game on Sunday he think he thinks Mac is a great decision maker and, and they they need him to be because uh I thought it was a good game for Mac Jones the other night. Taylor, I thought he made the right decisions for the most part. Mm -hmm. I thought he had some amazingly accurate throws, especially late in the game. And if those are caught, maybe it's a different game. But you also saw, I thought, in some ways, his his physical deficiencies. You know, down the field to Kendrick Bourne almost gets picked off by Darius Slay. Obviously, the the pick six was not a great throw by Mac Jones. He almost got picked on a screen. So, you know, that's uh, that's not an ability thing. But there were a handful of turnover-worthy plays in there for Mac Jones. So it's, it was a, it was a good night for him. It wasn't a great night. Uh, and I, I'm okay with that if I'm a Patriots fan, because I think the marriage of O'Brien to Mac Jones and leveraging that decision-making ability that Bill O'Brien believes Mac has, 
you're going to get a better player, not only next week, but the week after, the week after that, and you're going to see them continue to grow together. Absolutely. And that's the, as you said, I think it's the growth that's the most exciting because it's one thing when like a system last year where Max making mistakes, but you're not always confident that he has the tools and the people around him to say, okay, this is how we can not only reduce the mistakes, but also improve and build consistently. And I think with, uh, you know, the defense mentioned during camp where O'Brien, like on a day to day basis, was changing things up on them and keeping their own to keeping them on their toes. So you know that from a schematic perspective, they will continue to kind of inch forward as the season progresses progresses and then with Mac you have somebody who can tell him straight up you know this is what you got to do better and understand this is maybe what I shouldn't be asking you to do like you said the screens like things like that that's more of just like hey maybe throw it in the dirt don't force it there the throw to Kendrick Bourne is one where maybe you know Bill O'Brien sells okay don't put as much air on this maybe you know I don't want to say scrap those kind of things from the plan but you have the ability to grow and learn I thought maybe I know Mac took a lot of the blame after the game saying that, you know, sometimes my eyes weren't in the right place. I thought one of the possibly most telling examples of that was the fourth down where he looks towards Juju. There's nothing there and he gets sacked. But even looking at the all 22, it looked like, well, you look at Kendrick Bourne, who seemed to be open on the broadcast, but there was some kind of mesh going on there where he and Kayshawn Booty had to kind of both get open because they were trying to get each other some space. I'm like, well, I don't really know if Mac can even make that throw. So was there anything from the tape that, kind of goes towards what Mac was saying in your opinion, where maybe his eyes weren't necessarily in the right place and he really did maybe or maybe could have done something to put them in better position. Yeah. So uh, that's a, it's a great example that you bring up that fourth and three plays, obviously such a critical play. I I had an opportunity today to ask Ross Douglas, a receivers coach about Juju Smith-Schuster on that play, Mm -hmm. because it looked like he was trying to run some sort of out route, short area of the field from his spot in the slot and he sort of ran right into the corner's leverage. The corner had outside leverage pre-snap, and he just ran, he he sort of stemmed his route inside to start, and then bent out and basically ran right into the chest of I believe it was James Bradbury. Mm-hmm. And so I asked Ross Douglas if Juju Smith-Schuster did the right thing there. You know, if that's an option route, maybe you see you you feel where the corner is, and instead of going out, you go in the middle of the field uh, on that play in particular. Again, you only need three yards. The short middle of the field is wide open. And uh, so I, I was wondering if, if Juju had done the right thing there, not only because of what happened in that play in a vacuum, but also because we didn't see him at some really critical junctures late in the game. And I was wondering, did he do something wrong here that actually got him benched? Mm-hmm. This is your big name free agent signing of the offseason. Is that possible? Um, and basically what Douglas said was he did the right thing, but he could have done it much better. And, and I'm mm-hmm. wondering, and, and you've had a chance to watch the play I know too. Mac Jones was it felt like looking in that direction. I wonder if the release is where he lost leverage right off the bat. And I actually did. I asked Matt Castle. I sent him that play in particular. It's such an important play. I want to know what's going on there. Why did he hold on to the football there? You know, Fletcher Cox, great job by him beating his block. He beat City so really difficult assignment for City so, uh, but he beats him pretty quickly. I think that pressure led to Mac not being able to get to that sort of high-low concept that you referenced mm-hmm. between Bourne and Kayshawn Booty. But I, I wonder if the short stuff or the short part of that um, concept would have been open had Juju done something differently. And Castle pointed out to me, he just he didn't like the release. He thought he lost leverage as soon as, uh, as, soon as the ball was snapped, essentially. Um, so it just sort of, you know, one of those little things that if they can clean it up, if they can get it right, if they can protect a little better, if they can get a little healthier, 
Taylor, like these are all areas where you should see a better product in the very near future. And again, I think it's, you know, that, that play doesn't go the way you want it to, but I think there is some, some reason for optimism there. It's not a complete, you know, meltdown offensively. It's if we can get this block held a little longer, if we can run this route a little bit better, all of a sudden we're converting in a critical spot and maybe the outcome of the game is much different. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets. Guaranteed. That's guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. It absolutely is. The app is easy to use and you can be on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston. Kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Hope is here. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. Game sets ma.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. NFL Sunday ticket offer ends 9-18-23. No refunds. Terms and embargoes apply. $100 off NFL Sunday ticket. Not YouTube TV. YouTube TV base plan required to watch YouTube TV. Redemption requires a Google account, a current form of payment. Commercial use excluded. Subscription renews. Cancel anytime. And especially in this Bill O'Brien offense, we saw so many times that he was able to, like Kendrick Bourne, both of his touchdowns. The first one you saw, he was lining that bunch formation. It kind of affected James Bradbury's leverage. Mack made a great throw to get it away from coverage, but also you could see the blend of the receiver skill set with his alignment and where the offense coordinator puts him. And then the second one he had against Darius Slay, the out and up. Again, it's just not making things hard, whereas last year, you know, maybe under Matt Patricia, that's just a regular kind of deep pattern where there's not enough nuance to make it harder on a veteran corner. But looking at this receiver group, I think if they had Devontae Parker, they might win the game. Because you think of the two sideline grabs to Kayshawn Booty and even the deep shot where it was contested by Blankenship, those are Devontae Parker specials, like making the catches along the sideline, making the tough grabs going up and getting in a, uh, against another defender who's got tight coverage. Do you think that the Patriots do have enough to be able to sustain and compete throughout the season? Or do you think that they could maybe benefit from someone else? I'm not sure it's, you know, we're there quite yet. Again, I think Devontae Parker would have been a difference maker. But the margin for error definitely does seem a bit lower when you've only really got, you know, Kendrick Bourne, great player for them, makes a lot of those big time catches. But in those moments where you don't and then it's OK, well, who else do you really trust him to go to? Hunter Henry, I would put in that category as well. But at wide receiver, do you think maybe, you know, they're having those kind of internal conversations or do we just give it time, let this group learn and grow and just see how they can develop down the road? I think they think they have enough. And I agree with you. I know people are down on Devontae Parker because he's injured again and he's not available. And and I understand that. That's his MO. But I'm with you. If he's out there for that game and somebody like Booty, you know, gets 
knocked a slot down on the depth chart where, you know, maybe he sees a little bit of playing time, but not to the extent that he had to see the other night. Yeah, I, I think both of those sideline catches might get made. He's pretty good along the sideline, Devontae Parker is. And you're right, the deep throw that was very hotly contested, you know, that's that's a that's a play where you'd feel better at least about Devontae Parker being there in that situation as opposed to the rookie. So I think that might have changed the game. Now, is that enough in my opinion? Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne, you know, Pop Douglas, Juju Smith-Schuster, the two tight ends, is it enough to really compare compete with the upper echelon of the AFC honestly a week ago I would have said no Taylor (laughs) but we're already and I don't want to overreact to week one I I really don't Mm -hmm, I want to try to play it cool but we're seeing Kansas City's got all kinds of receiver issues and they're you know one Travis Kelsey injury away from having a really difficult time Mm -hmm. offensively as good as their quarterback is Buffalo we just talked about the decision making from the quarterback it feels like things have kind of devolved for him a touch since Brian Dayball departed, you know, maybe you don't have to be on the level of those guys. If your defense is truly elite, say you do have a top five defense. If you can be a a 12, 13, 14 ranked offense, is that enough to make some noise in January? I I think it could be. I mean, they made the postseason a couple of years ago, 10 wins. That was not a great offense. It was a good offense. It was not an amazing defense. It was a good defense. And they did enough to make the postseason. Can they do that and a little bit more this year? I, I do think that's possible. Yeah, I definitely don't want to sound alarmist either because I've been saying for a long time that I think they do have enough. And I think last night, or I'm sorry, Sunday night showed how, you know, missing one piece of that puzzle can hurt them. But at the same time, they've showed the quarterback can make the throws he needs to make in the big situations. I think on paper, these guys can do better. Again, Kendrick Bourne, Mike Kosicki, Hunter Henry, these are reliable receiving threats for you. It's just you really need to make sure all those guys are on consistently in those big moments for that to translate into success. It seems like the same old script where the Patriots get opportunities late, can't do anything with it. But I do feel like down the road, especially after taking this kind of loss in just week one, it's going to give them some juice and I think something to kind of help them going forward. Yeah. The, the, one, the one play I would say where, where you, you'd like to have a, a real star receiver is that third and 12 to to Kendrick Bourne over the middle, late in the game. That's not an easy catch, right? He's got a slide for it. Coverage is there. It's a tight window. But it's a catch. (laughs) And and probably Slay gets there a little early, right? But but is it a catch that a a real star receiver makes? I think so. You know what I mean? Like, I think if they have – and I don't know if if Devontae Parker is that guy. I don't don't think of him as a really like an effective – down the field, over the middle of the field, big time dig route kind of player. I see him more as like your boundary contested catch guy. So mm-hmm. that's the one play. And, and listen, these games, the, the outcome is decided sometimes on one play going one direction or another. That's the one where I look at and say, if they had signed DeAndre Hopkins, is that a, <laughs> a different? Is there a different outcome there? I do, I do. That's where my mind starts to wander because it's always been a question you know the last really every year that mac jones has been here it's does he have enough around him for us to really understand who he is and what he can be as a quarterback yeah this offense better than some of its parts like i said margin for error just when you lose one of those key guys it does hurt you but i do want to highlight the rookies we'll start on offense they move to defense because 
we saw last year a lot of contributions from a lot of young players. This season, it's kind of ridiculous because everybody who wasn't on IR pretty much had to have a role in this game, starting with offense. You know, we had City So and Antonio Moffey starting in the trenches. It, I found, found it really hard to evaluate their performances because – one, they're young players. You don't really want to give them too much of a hard time when they're starting right away. Also, that defensive front, man, just whooping tail consistently as they were expected to do such a hard test. But also the receivers. We said Kayshawn Booty, I thought, did struggle, but I thought he also got open plenty of times. Just wasn't one of the early reads in the progression, didn't get the ball. And I thought Pop Douglas, maybe there were some miscommunications. Seemed like there were a couple of passes that went his way that weren't really close. And I was curious whether that was, you know, someone not being in the right space or maybe just Mac Jones trying to get the ball out because he was under so much pressure but he also had four catches 40 yards some showed some of that explosiveness we saw in camp what did you think from the first year players on the offensive side of the ball yeah I'll start with the offensive line as you did you know I give those guys a lot of credit honestly for it not being more of a mess than it than it could have been you know I really believed when I saw the uh, the the inactives come out 90 minutes before kickoff, and we saw both Cole Strange and Michael Wenu on there. Man, that's that to me was a worst case scenario kind of situation that was brewing because of the competition you were facing, and because City So and I asked David Andrews about this after the game. City So did not practice a guard mm-hmm. all training camp. Right. Now, since we've been gone, he got more reps inside, but that's still not much time. And how many truly competitive snaps? Did he get on the inside now that you're into game plan mode part of the season? So really tall task to go against you know, Jalen Carter. I know he's a rookie, but the guy is absolutely an animal, not to mention Fletcher Cox, who had another really good game for the Eagles and everything they can throw at you. You know, it, it could have been worse. Was it good? I really didn't think it was good. <laughs> so I don't know how much longer, Taylor, they could survive. Now, I would expect those guys to get better the more reps they see, but they couldn't run the ball at all. And it wasn't just the rookies that had a hard time uh, in the run game. Trent Brown had a difficult time in the run game at times. Um, so they couldn't run it at all. There, there goes, you know, I don't know how many, what percentage of your playbook is it? Is it, is it 30%? Is it 40% of your playbook that, that goes out the window when you just figure out, okay, this is a losing battle. Uh, we're not going to do this because it eliminates your play action game too. the play action stuff that, that you and I watched them work on really all summer and that that we said okay this is going to be something that is very different from what we saw last year they really never fully married the run game and the pass game together with the play action stuff that was something that we were going to and that i still think we'll see quite a bit of in 2023 but they just couldn't do it the uh, mm-hmm. the other night because they couldn't block um so pass protection wise i know pro football focus had them down for Antonio mafi seven pressures allowed city so five so Again, those guys should get better. The matchups will get a little bit easier. Um, but they they were – honestly, they were better than I expected. And then as far as the receivers go, you know, I think you're right with Pop Douglas. Again, Ross Douglas is, is great. Uh, I always try to jump into his little Zoom room when we get the opportunity to talk to him because he's got a ton of energy. And he gives us some really, I think, um, good, solid insight without giving away state secrets – you know, you just mm-hmm. said there were a couple of routes. It sounded like where Pop Douglas kind of was a little loose, you know, maybe rounded things a little mm-hmm. bit more than they would like. Uh, you know, there's one play in particular that almost got picked off and Pop Douglas had to kind of become a, a defensive back on the play. You know, Douglas sort of unprompted say, you know, we got to have a better route than that. Like, so like mm-hmm. good job by him breaking it up, making sure it's an incompletion, not a pick. But, you know, part of the reason that guy's in position to make that pick is because of a mistake we make on the route. So 
little things like that. I'm sure we'll get better as the year goes along for both rookie receivers, but um, man, Douglas is fun, dude. You know, so yes. something when they had time, it felt <laughs> like when, when Mac had a pocket and he could find him down the, even down the fields, you know, he's, he's not your typical slot. He's got some real juice. So I'm looking forward to see what he can do later on. Yeah. And we saw again, Bill O'Brien effect, that corner route that he ran where, you know, a smaller guy like that, you don't want to put him in positions where he's going to get jammed or rerouted. Then he's at the end of the bunch. So he's got a free release, gorgeous corner route. Mac puts it in the right spot where it's away from coverage and he can catch it comfortably. Really excited to see what he could become. And now we got some positive energy. So let's keep this going with the defensive rookies because those guys balled out. Marte Mapu only played 10 snaps, but as Judon pointed out, he was all over the place. And you could see the flexibility that he gives that unit because when he gets down in the box, he can be a true linebacker. Like they were using 3-4 looks, true 3-4 looks, which you really don't see from the Patriots. It's always talked about how much dime they play. Their nickel is always three safeties. But, you know, they're putting him in a position where he's a true hybrid because they call him a linebacker on the roster. But he's actually warming up and working out with safeties. And then obviously Christian Gonzalez plays every defensive snap going as the boundary corner, which, you know, for those who might know, the boundary corner usually gets the one on one matchups, because if you're playing a zone coverage and you want to push that zone coverage towards the numbers in a three by one formation, that number one, who's an A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, a lot of the time that's just man to man coverage. That's where Gonzalez was a lot of the time. Obviously had a really good game, ups and downs, I'd say. And then Keon White had less than 20 pass rush snaps and it seemed like he was in the backfield or making an impact on a lot of those. What did you see from the defensive first year players? Keon White, they got to get that guy on the field more. And I think they'll have the opportunity to this coming week, you know, defensively they played so well, there weren't even that many snaps to be had relative to, to a normal NFL week. But I I think on 13 pass rush snaps, he had four pressures. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you're in the, the opposition's backfield basically a third of the time you're that's a that's a game wrecking type of performance if you can extrapolate it out over a full body's work of of snaps and i think man they're gonna have a hard time keeping him off the field he's just got so Mm. much power for such a young guy and i know he's an older rookie coming into the league but in your first year you're just not expecting somebody to to beat Lane Johnson, you know, Lane Johnson, future hall of Famer, right. More than once. And, and, you know, not only that, but you've got, you know, six foot nine, 400 pound Jordan Mailata on the other side and and you're walking him back into the pocket. Like, you know, he's Isaiah Wynn sized or something, you know what I mean? So (laughs) that, that was really, really impressive to me. Gonzalez impressive as well. And I loved, you know, the coverage on, on a few of those plays down the field to AJ Brown, where he and Mapu were running, Side by side, great job by both those guys on that particular play. Uh, but undercutting that that crossing route on fourth down and breaking that one up, another great play reminded me a little bit of, of some of the stuff that we used to see from Stephon Gilmore. I can remember him yeah. picking off a pass targeted for Amari Cooper a couple of years ago in the rain, a similar mm-hmm. kind of night, um, and does the same thing, undercuts that, that crossing route. So really good job by him. But I think the thing I like most was his, his willingness to tackle. And this was a real mm-hmm. question in the league, and it depended on which team you asked. If you ask the Patriots, they say, well, I, you know, no idea why he fell in the draft. We're, we're happy to scoop him up. But you asked others that were drafting higher and that were looking for corner help. They were concerned about his willingness to hit. And that just right or wrong, that was a reputation that he had in some league circles. But I thought he passed every challenge with flying colors. You saw him make a, a big tackle 
Um, I believe it was a third down tackle sort of late in the game that had the fight that had the, uh, the sideline all kinds of fired up. Matthew Slater was practically on the field, you know, trying to get the rookie hyped. Uh, but you saw him bring down AJ Brown in one-on-one tackling situations. And it wasn't always mm-hmm. perfect, but he, he was certainly willing. And that to me is, was maybe the most encouraging thing given uh, the rep that he had, you know, from people who, who watched him closely this off season. Thought there were also a couple like under the radar reps where Jalen Hurts on that QB counter where they pull a couple guards, have the back going one way, and Hurts goes behind the pullers. Gave them a lot of trouble against the Ravens, a lot of trouble against the Bears last season, but they couldn't do anything with it this year. The Eagles couldn't. And a lot of that was because, one, the defense did a much better job not giving those inside lanes. But Gonzalez was holding his own on the outside against some blockers and didn't let Hurts get loose. That was another place they struggled where the corners just weren't giving enough run support and it was making it a little tougher on the outside run defense. So Gonzalez answered a lot of those toughness questions. Got some more for you, Phil, but first, let's pay the bills. You busy this fall to cook, but want to make sure you're eating well? With Factor, skip the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality you need. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy, then get back to crushing your goals. Adjust your stride this autumn without missing a step. Choose from 34 plus weekly flavor packed, fresh, never frozen meals, ready to eat in two minutes. Level up with gourmet plus options, prepared perfection by chefs and ready to eat in record time. Treat yourself to upscale meals with premium ingredients like broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. Too busy running around during the day to think about lunch? Keep your energy up with lunch to go. Effortless, wholesome meals like grain bowls and salad toppers that are ready to eat when you're on the go. No microwave required. Looking for calorie conscious options during the busy season? Try delicious, dietitian approved, calorie smart meals with around or less than 500 calories per serving. Need an extra boost to support your wellness goals and feel your best as you tackle a busy autumn? Try Protein Plus meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving. Round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of 45 plus add-ons, including breakfast items like our delicious apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites, and potato bacon and egg breakfast skillet. Or for an easy wellness boost, try refreshing beverage options like cold pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. With Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice. We offset 100% of our delivery emissions, source 100% renewable electricity for our production sites and offices, and feature sustainably sourced seafood in our meals. This October, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. Ready in just two minutes, no prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com slash patsdaily50 and use code patsdaily50 to get 50% off. That's code PatsDaily50 at factormeals.com slash PatsDaily50 to get 50% off. So we talked about Keon White's work against future Hall of Famer Lane Johnson. Juwan Bentley also had some outstanding reps against not only Lane Johnson, but also Jason Kelsey. What do you think of his efforts as well as Jelani Tavai, who I think has really become an integral part of this defense on early downs because of not only his toughness, but also his ability to fly around the field, which I think is kind of underrated. And he's a versatile guy too, right? You can use him off the ball. You can use him on the end of the line of scrimmage, which they've done many times in the past. And they did on Sunday as well. You know, Bentley to me, I think he's criminally underrated. And the reason I say that is because what makes the headlines and what makes the highlight reels and what gets you paid now, quite frankly, 
in today's game is your ability to be a disruptive player in the passing game. And so Fred Warner, everyone looks to Fred Warner as the best linebacker in the league. But I've had conversations, and listen, these people are biased. They're, these are Patriots people that I've spoken to about Bentley. But they look at somebody like Fred Warner, and they say, great player, great player. But in our defense, I'm not sure he's going to be able to do everything that we would ask him to do in the same way that Jawan Bentley can. You know, for him to be able to come up and play with such violence and to just run through centers and guards on such a consistent basis and make tackles at or near the line of scrimmage. I mean, he, he is, I think the guy who sort of personifies what they want to be defensively, which is physical, aggressive, but still smart mm-hmm. and versatile. I mean, we've, we've seen him used as a blitzer. You've seen him drop into coverage. You've seen him play the run and have no problem doing that. He can play on the edge as well at times. So you know, he's he's outstanding for them. They love him. Uh, they The Patriots love him more than anybody else, I'm sure, and football does. But for what they want to do, he's he's perfect. Talk about that throwback style. I mean, one, I was looking at the film and I think he might have even slimmed down a little bit. I don't know if that's just me. He looks like a little not smaller, but just like less bulky, I guess. But still the physicality, like you say, there's not a lot of linebackers in the entire NFL who can take on blockers as well as he does and also get around them, find them and fire to the ball and be at the right place consistently. Juwan Bentley, I, I've been saying for a couple of years, I think he's one of the better linebackers in the NFL. And I think you also saw in the corner blitz from Christian Gonzalez, one of the key elements of that play was Bentley getting enough depth to take away Hertz's first read on the crosser. And then it got him a little skittish and Gonzalez was able to capitalize. So even his passing ability, like it's a bit underrated how he's really good at just getting to his spot and not allowing people to pick on him in that direction. Uh, Moving on to the cornerbacks, talked about Gonzalez. I thought it was pretty interesting to see Marcus Jones and Jonathan Jones. Now, Jonathan led the charge, but they rotated a bit on the outside. We also saw Marcus Jones a bit at safety, a little bit in the slot, but Miles Bryant continues to be their primary slot defender, also had a couple big stops. They got him on a couple of RPOs where he got caught with his eyes in the backfield. But, I mean, that's what makes the Eagles so tough to defend. What did you think about the corner group outside of Gonzalez? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it was interesting to see Marcus Jones get get used as much as he did in as many different places as he did. Because I I didn't think it was the best summer for him coverage-wise, Taylor, in terms of, you know, matchup against the Patriots in camp. Um, But – They've had confidence in him really since last year, and they they view him as truly versatile. They they really think, even despite his size and despite getting dunked on by you know T Higgins late last year, that he can play on the outside. And I I tend to agree with them based on some of the things we saw last year. Now again, he's got physical limitations that he's just going to have to deal with his entire career. But you know, I saw him play Devonte Adams pretty impressively on a handful of snaps last year out in Vegas. I think he does have the ability to do it, the athleticism to do it. So they they feel comfortable using him out there. So I wasn't stunned to see him on the outside. John Jones, I would think, I would think. You tell me how you feel. The longer we get into the season, and the farther removed we get from whatever it was he was dealing with over the summer that forced him to miss as much time as he did in camp, we'll start to see him become more of a hundred percent of the the snaps kind of guy. I I just think that's who he is, who they want him to be in this defense, whether it's outside, inside, both safety, like they they should want him out there. He's one of their best defensive players. And so I, I think we'll see more of him the deeper we get into the year. 
I'd agree. My understanding of it before Jack Jones was put on IR, when he comes back, I think their ideal rotation, Miles Bryant in the slot, Jonathan Jones outside, Gonzalez is a staple. But I think that's what it's going to be on early downs. Then when you know pass is coming, I think that's where you see Jack Jones because of his big playability with then John Jones kicking into the slot. We saw that at times last season. I think that's their absolute best pass defending group. And then Marcus Jones kind of filling in because he can play everywhere. It's tough because I think his discipline and ability to stay on top of routes and not give anything up is really vital, whereas Jack Jones – he makes a lot more plays, but at the same time, he'll get burned as well. Although his recovery ability is fantastic. So I agree. I think Jonathan Jones, once he really is back at full health, is going to be someone who really doesn't need the field because you want him on the field. As we saw, two of the deep shots that Jalen Hurts, over three, by the way, Jalen Hurts on deep passes, two went to Jonathan Jones and you saw his ability to finish and recover lead to two incompletions there. Last one before I get you out of here, the safety group. I expected going into this season that we were going to see Kyle Duggar and Adrian Phillips as the main guys with Adrian Phillips mostly being deep and then Duggar being in the box with Jabril Peppers kind of working in. Turned out they used Jabril Peppers as the primary box safety, although he was doing a little bit of both with Kyle Duggar. It felt like taking a lot of those deep safety reps. But again, Jabril Peppers making plays from center field as well. What did you think of the rotation that we saw in week one and just – as much Jabril Peppers as you want to talk about. <laughs> Man, he's fun, isn't he? He's, he is uh, one of my favorite people to talk to in the locker room. He, he's so intense, but he's a great listener. And so I've had some really, I would say, educational for me back and forth with Jabril Peppers. Just teach me about what, you know, some of the things they, they are trying to do defensively. Obviously, really smart guy. Obviously, not afraid of the contact portion of his responsibilities fantastic hit to make that play at the end of the game and force that fumble I mean those are you know Bill Belichick will call those championship plays even in a regular season game that that's the kind of play you need in a close game like that to be able to get to where they ultimately want to go so can he consistently do it can he stay healthy enough that's the biggest question with him I think can he stay healthy enough and on the field long enough to be able to help them in as many ways as he can in my opinion We'll see. I was a little surprised that that Adrian Phillips only got, I believe it was 17 snaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that's something where they, they want to keep him fresh for late in the year. This guy has played a lot of snaps. He's played a lot at the second level. You know, this is a, basically a 200-pound guy who, who's taking on 320-pound guards on a regular basis of this Patriots defense <laughs> for the last few years. And so maybe they're they're trying to to manage his workload a little bit because they are pretty deep at safety, but uh, that surprised me a little bit because with Devin Cordy gone, I would have thought that he would have been one of the primary communicators in the defense. Mm -hmm. And they left that to, listen, they have other smart guys too. So it's Jawan Bentley, it's Kyle Duggar, it's Jabril Peppers. Like they're lucky in that they have some really experienced, really intelligent players back there where they, they really don't miss a step communication wise, even after losing Devin McCourty and not playing Adrian Phillips all that much. Just a sick wealth of players they've got at that. And again, Marte Mapu mixed in. Adrian Phillips, didn't, when he doesn't even have to play that much in your defense, considering what a vital player he's been, I think that says a ton about the depth. Phil, thank you so much for joining us. I'm sure people know where to find you, but I always give people the platform. So please plug away where we can find your great content, what you got coming out. floor is yours. At Phil A. Perry on Twitter, you can find almost all my work there. 
Mondays on the breakdown with Ted Johnson. We get to do some X's and O's stuff with Ted. Ted gets all kinds of excited to do that stuff. It's so much fun to work with him. Uh, we had some, we had some need him high superstars on the set with us last night, Taylor, to awesome. help us break down some different aspects of different plays in that game against the Eagles. So that was fun. We're doing that every Monday at six o'clock. I'll be on quick slants tonight, six o'clock with Tommy Curran. Uh, all our shows, our football shows are six o'clock every single night on NBC sports. And uh, you can find a lot of those even on NBCSports.com and on YouTube. You all do great work. Thank you again, Phil, for joining us. Thank you all for tuning in. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And we will see you next time.